Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, where our community of Kensington Unitarians meets each week for worship, as well as for other activities during the week. <sighs> Let's take a breath. Let's focus ourselves on here and now, here in this place of worship. This is a place where we can perhaps let our busy minds be a little more still for a while. And we can perhaps open ourselves to all that is loving, all that is precious, all that is divine here in our world. We come together to celebrate who we are, to share insights perhaps, insights that give meaning and hope to our lives to learn from the wisdom of others, that their truths may contribute to our understanding. Here is a place where we can be ourselves, with all our tough and our tender places. Perhaps here, in this sacred place, our stuck thoughts might soften. Any icy places within our hearts might melt. So let's fill this place now with love. Let it work its way within each of us and radiate out then to a world that also needs its healing. Welcome. Welcome all of you. And I light our chalice this morning that the warmth of its flame might find a way into our hearts and touch all that we say and do together here today. Two short readings now. Um, one is, is a story, it comes from the Sufi tradition and it's told in this version by Coleman Barks. And it's the story of the prayer rug, the prayer rug that you perhaps have on the front of your order of service today. And it's said that a, a man in prison is sent a prayer rug such as that by his friend. Now what that man had wanted, of course, stuck in prison as he was, was a file or a crowbar or even a key. All traditional methods for getting yourself out of a tight spot. But no, he had a prayer rug, and he began using that rug, doing his prayers five times a day before dawn, at noon, mid-afternoon, after sunset, and then before sleep. Bowing, sitting up, bowing again. He notices an odd pattern in the weave of the rug, just at the kibbler, the point where his head touches. And he studies and he meditates upon that pattern, gradually discovering that it is a diagram of the lock that confines him in his cell and how it works. And so he is able to escape. And it is said that anything you do every day can open into that deepest spiritual place, which is freedom. And there's some words about work um, translated from Rumi, Jahaladin Rumi, uh, translated by Coleman Barr. Work. Keep digging your well. 
Don't think about getting off work. Water is there somewhere. Submit to a daily practice. Your loyalty to that is a ring on the door. Keep knocking and the joy inside will eventually open a window and look out to see who's there. And that leads us into a time of prayer and reflection. As I call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now. Let us pray. Even when these days some of us are not sure who or what we are praying to. Some speak of God or goddess or great mystery of the Lord or the divine. Some of us cannot put a name to something that is so vast and unknowable. But let's not be put off by our inability to name the nameless. Let us rather be able in quiet moments such as this to allow ourselves a time of reflection. Allow ourselves the chance to relate with something of which we are part. To relate with something greater than ourselves. To relate with something that encourages us to be the best we can possibly be and to make the most of this gift of life. And so may that divine light shining through our universe shine now on this, our beautiful place of worship. And may our time together be illuminated and inspired by all that is great and good. Let's give thanks for the blessings of our lives and for the richness of existence. Let us seek support in the challenges we face. And let us ask that love and inspiration may shine upon all those troubled places within ourselves and within our wider world. is a very short reading and it comes from a school reformer, John Holt and it's entitled We Learn By Doing Not many years ago I began to play the cello Most people would say that what I am doing is learning to play the cello But these words carry into our minds the strange idea that there exists two very different processes One learning to play the cello, and two, playing the cello. They imply that I will do the first until I have completed it, at which point I will stop the first process and begin the second. In short, I will go on learning to play until I have learned to play, and then I will begin to play. Of course, this is nonsense. There are not two processes, but one. We learn to do something by doing it. 
There is no other way. We're, um, we're starting um, another of our small group courses here at Essex Church the week after next, on Thursday, the October the 11th. It runs for nine Thursday evenings plus one Saturday, and it's called Spirit in Practice, the title of this address. So my aim today is both to whet the appetites of those of you who think you might be able to join us for the course, and then give anybody who can't be here on a Thursday evening at least a sense of what it's all about So what is it all about? For me, one of the foundation stones of this course is the idea that there is no split, or there need be no split, between a holy, religious, spiritual part of life and the rest of life. Ordinary life, you might say. We can probably all bring to mind, can't we, hypocritical behaviours in human life when people say one thing and act in a very different way. Human history is littered with these kind of examples. Slavery, inhumane treatment of workers, sexual abuse of women and children, often perpetrated by people who were pillars of society, going to church regularly. Writer Thomas More writes of a self-destructive split between the holy and the ordinary that's plagued us for centuries, he says. And he states that for him, a spirituality that doesn't touch every single aspect of daily life, well, it's bogus. So, spirit in practice says that everything in life can be lived spiritually, and that it's easier to live with this kind of orientation if you have practices to help you on the way. That story that we heard earlier on of the prisoner who only found the way out of his prison once he started to pray regularly. For it was his prayer mat that held the secret which could unlock the prison door. 14th century Sufi mystic Yehaladin Rumi chose that image of the prison wisely because for him human life lived solely in the material world is as much of a trap as any prison door. Now, some of us here today are people who know how to practice something. I'm looking at Peter and Harold, our musicians. They're already brilliant at what they do. And yet I know that they continue to practice. They're here an hour earlier than the rest of us every Sunday morning. And no doubt you practice during the week as well, I suspect. They do that in order to maintain their already existing brilliance. But for some of us lesser mortals, the very word practice is a tad off-putting. It needs viewing, perhaps, in a different light. I think that's why I included the reading by that educational reformer, John Holt, earlier on, in which he points out that there are not two distinct practice processes of learning to play the cello and then playing the cello or the piano. There's, There's only one, for we learn something by doing it. There is no other way. This is it. And in the living of our lives, it's possible, I think, to switch on a spiritual approach that says everything is sacred. Everything is holy. We are all sparks of the divine living here on earth. And we can help ourselves and we can help one another to create and maintain such a way of being in life. Spirituality, then, 
can't be something remote or separate in our lives or something that we only do on Sunday morning. It needs to affect how we actually live, how we treat one another, how we care for ourselves, how we respond to the world's injustices. It's a state of being aware. The Spirit in Practice course takes us on an exploration of different types of practice, but through it all runs the message, pay attention now. Notice the small things around you. Be curious. Show reverence to everything. That idea that there are sparks of divinity in everyone and everything, and our task is to find God all around us and within us. Medieval Catholic monks called this reading the book of the world. Isn't that lovely? A reading of the signs. Now, as someone who can rush around a little bit too much sometimes, I appreciate this reminder from Huang Zhu, the Taoist philosopher, who wrote that one has to be in the same place every day, watch the dawn from the same house, hear the birds awake each morning, the same birds, to realize how inexhaustibly rich and different is sameness. To be spiritually awake is to be appreciative of the small things, the quiet beauty of the world around us. It's also to be appreciative of the people and to recognize other people as our best, very best spiritual teachers. Are we annoyed, rattled by someone else's behavior or by something someone said? Well, there's something to learn about ourselves. For if we're going to live a religious life, a healthy religious life, then taking full responsibility for our interactions with others and trying to learn from our own emotional responses, well, that is a really rich and fruitful path to take and not an easy one, I reckon. And, of course, it's a path that leads us, leads us all again and again to love. Frederick and uh, Marianne Brussett, um, who wrote the pieces that you received on your cards earlier on. They write beautifully about love in their useful book called Spiritual Literacy, Reading the Sacred in Everyday Life. They write, fall in love over and over again every day. Love your family, love your neighbours, love your enemies and love yourself. And don't stop with humans. Love animals, love plants, love stones, love even galaxies. They mention loving your enemies. I'd add, let's, every, let's love everything we dislike or find distasteful or unpleasant or difficult. Let one of our spiritual practices perhaps be to move towards rather than to back away from. Let's be curious about our own likes and dislikes in this world. Have you noticed our latest um, wayside pulpit outside on the notice board on the street? It says that church is where you practice, you get to practice what it is to be human. And the idea that we need to place ourselves in community to, to fully engage with the world spiritually. Because I think that not many of us are destined to hide away in caves for decades of silent meditation. No, I think most of us need to be here in the world. And then, if you're going to be in the world, I think there's something really beneficial about making a commitment. And one of those commitments might be to be here on a Sunday or to join a church or some other group. And that's the practice bit. 
for me, a spiritual practice, it's more than just a hobby. It's, some, it's not something that you're just going to pick up or drop when you wish. No, a spiritual practice has got commitment, it's got intention, it's something you do regularly, and because of that, there is a depth to it. You are going deeper. It isn't a butterfly-like flitting from one attractive flower of spiritual growth idea to another. No, it's saying that in order to learn and grow, I'm going to stick to this. The prisoner only got to see that hidden pattern on the prayer rug because he prayed five times a day, day after day after day. Eric Walker Wickstrom, who brought together the ideas in the Spirit in Practice course, he puts it well, I think, when he says that wise people do not begin to sew their parachutes just as they are about to jump from a plane. Now, most of us don't possess, I think, here anyway, the kind of sturdy and simple faith described in that hymn that we sang earlier, which asked if our anchor will hold midst the storms of life. But, you know, if we don't have that strong, simple faith, then that means, means, I think, that we've got all the more work to do to create a spiritual core to our existence that will hold us through the good times and the bad. And the longer I live, the more clear it is to me that I need a group to help me strengthen that core of faith. I benefit from hearing other people's insights. I find it inspiring to know that on this path of life, we can walk together. Well, at least some other way. Amen. Every happening, great and small, is a parable where God speaks to us and the art of life is to get the message. May we be people who get the message in the week ahead who recognize something of God in all those we meet, who understand that there is always more to this than meets the eye, and who give thanks for the gift of life, despite its pains and sorrows and confusions, still might we find unexpected joy and possibility and peace to help us carry on, now and always. Amen. Amen.